You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to Logan Washburn about a couple of interesting stories he wrote. One is about a recent arrest that happened in Jonesville. And the other is about another one of the candidates for state representative in the Hillsdale area. But first, Lauren and I are going to talk about some of the top headlines and most interesting stories in the Collegian this week. So the top story this week actually was written by Lauren, along with Logan, who was our guest today. We shared the byline. Tell me about this story, Lauren. So this story, it was about how the Legacy Board has announced what the Class of 2024 gift will be, and that is a glass conservatory. Now, if you're like me and you probably didn't know what the word conservatory means, um, I will explain it to you. It's basically, if I can describe it as best as I can, it is like a greenhouse, except there will be heat. And I'm assuming AC, but I know for sure heat. And like tables and chairs. So it's a place where students can go to work on homework, to hang out, and enjoy the natural elements outside, even if it's snowing or raining or just a really cold day. So for those listeners who do not know, the Legacy Board is a board um, consisting of students in the senior class, and they are responsible for coming up with, I believe, these Uh, senior class gift. They do fundraising for it um, and they do other things just to enhance the experience of the senior class in their last year. Um, But yeah, I think this is a a cool gift. It's something that will be tangible on campus. And, you know, if we come back and visit for homecoming, it'll be there and we could say, hey, that was from our class. Yeah. What multiple members of the Legacy Board told me was that this gift is significant for the class of 2024 uh, because we were the class of 2020 back in high school um, who graduated back when it was COVID and a lot of the strict COVID-19 guidelines and regulations um, prohibited us from having that really close-knit community and a lot of those strong friendships. Um, And so we came to Hillsdale um, with a lot of those regulations still in place and We arrived at Hillsdale and it was kind of like a little bubble, like a little safe haven to escape all those regulations. And so then community was more important than ever. We finally got to see the value of community since it had been taken away from us. And so having this conservatory is definitely to emphasize community and the importance of friendship. Uh, I believe like one of the main intentions of it is to just have a place on campus um, that's central to people that we can gather and just have a good time. And so I thought that that was neat, just being a member of the class of 2024 and having been a member of the class of 2020 back in high school. I definitely remember how those regulations affected my community. And so it's just really special to have something like this. Yeah, they said it's going to be located between the Mary Proctor Randall Preschool and Howard Music Hall. So it is a fairly central location, pretty accessible from anywhere on campus, surrounded by beautiful trees, too. So that will really, I think, enhance 
the beauty of it. So great story, Lauren, and also Logan, who we'll talk to later. Another one of our top stories here is about a recent arrest that occurred in Jonesville, but you'll just have to keep listening to find out more about that when we talk to Logan later. Something else we have on the front page here is a story about what the athletic department is planning to do to replace the Otters Army t-shirts. There's a lot of background here. Um, Every fall, students get free t-shirts that say Otters Army, and it's a reference to the former head coach of the football team, Keith Otterbein. But Otterbein retired in 2023 at the end of the fall football season. So now that he's retired, obviously, we can't have Otter's Army t-shirts because Otterbein is no longer the coach. So yeah, it's an interesting story about what they're going to do about this kind of cultural icon on campus. Um, The reporter Jimmy Parsons wrote, a campus tradition has ended. The athletics department will replace the familiar Otter's Army t-shirts it hands out in the fall. Reagan Monin, the director of marketing and community relations for the athletics department, said, Starting at the source in 2024, we will hand out the new shirts to unify our brand and vision. So kind of an interesting story, you know, not something that I think people really thought about. So it's interesting to look at it. If I can be a little editorial here, I am quite sad that there will no longer be Otter's Army t-shirts, even though I am a senior and I will not even get to see what the new shirts look like, most likely. I, I, I kind of wanted otter's army to be one of those things where like we still call saga saga even though saga was our food provider like 20 years ago or something like that i kind of wanted otter's army to be like one of those things where in 20 years the students here would be like huh i wonder why it's called otter's army and then they'd like do a little research and find out why and they'd be like oh that's so cool um so i was a little disappointed to hear that they're not going to continue that tradition especially since uh, Coach Otterbein was such a loved figure on campus. Uh, I Even a lot of people who didn't know much about football um, or involved in, in sports, no way. I feel like a lot of people know of him just because he's such a kind person and a great coach. Yeah, it is a shame. I mean, it makes sense because it wouldn't really make sense to have t-shirts with the name of the former coach. But it is a shame. And I wonder... And maybe even hope that there's a way that they kind of keep the Otterbein legacy. Two of um, Otterbein's sons are also football coaches. One is, I think, um, a defensive coordinator and another is an offensive coordinator as well as a recruitment counselor. So there are still Otterbeins on the football staff. All three of them, the two sons and the and the father, played football at Hillsdale. So, yeah, I wonder if there will be a way that they kind of keep the legacy alive on campus. Um and sort of just preserve the history there. But it's a shame. But interesting to see what will happen next in the athletics department. Another story we have on the front page here is about um, some statistics about the spring transfer class. Carly Moran, um, an assistant news editor, wrote, 17 transfer students joined the college this semester, up from 14 last year, according to the Hillsdale College Admissions Office. The new group enters with an average GPA of 3.81, and an acceptance rate of close to 18%. It includes 11 men and 6 women from 12 states. You know, I'm really glad that we're highlighting the transfer students because I myself was a transfer student. And, you know, people make jokes about the transfer students all the time. Like, oh, wow, you couldn't get in the first time. You had to come one semester late. But then 
you actually look at the statistics, it's like, no, it's just as, if not more competitive to get into Hillsdale as a transfer student. So I think transfer students deserve more credit than they get. And, you know, it's a really hard thing to come to a new college and dive in whenever people have been here for at least one, if not more semesters than you. Um, So it's great to see that these transfer students have um, a great record. Um, And with that acceptance rate of 18%, that is just about as competitive as it is to be accepted in the fall. Yeah, I've heard that at other colleges, it can actually be easier to get in in the spring than in the fall, um, just because of the way that statistics are counted. Um, a lot of times when colleges have in on their marketing, like the graduation rate and like the retention rate, they just will count students that matriculate in the fall. But if people come in the spring, then they wouldn't be part of that number. So sometimes it can be easier, but at Hillsdale, it's not easier. It's just about as hard. Um, and then also something that Carly talked about in this article and you know, found out and reported was that a lot of times the reason that people transfer is because they went to another university and had a bad experience um, and determined that Hillsdale was going to be a better place for them to be during college. And that can be for a variety of reasons. You know, either their previous institution was just not a good culture fit for them. Um, a lot of times people say that their previous institution was not academically rigorous enough. Um, and I even know someone who came in because their previous institution had very strict COVID regulations and Hillsdale did not. Um, this was a few years ago. So yeah, there are a lot of different reasons that people transfer in. It's really not people who tried to get in, failed to, and then tried again. That happens sometimes, but it's not as common. Our other story on the front page is about radio students here at Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM being named finalists for major awards. Um, And Ty Ruddy, a collegiate reporter, wrote, the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and the Intercollegiate Broadcasting System nominated 12 Hillsdale College students for radio awards. And our general manager, Scott Bertram, said, it's always exciting and gratifying to have industry professionals acknowledge the outstanding content created by our students at WRFH. Yeah, so something interesting about whenever we get um, nominated by MAB. Um, so depending on how many individual nominations you have for the categories, that determines whether or not you qualify to be nominated for Station of the Year. Um, and so we were nominated for Station of the Year in 2019. We won in 2019. We also won in 2023, and because we had, again, a lot of nominations in the categories, we are now nominated for Station of the Year again for 2024. Um, And so we'll see how the placements go, how many first, second, and third places we get, and that'll determine if we win Station of the Year again for the second year in a row. Um, Well, it'd be our third year, but it would be our second consecutive year. Um, So we'll see how that goes, but it's really exciting. It is, and those winners will be announced in March, according to this story. But that's enough from us for now. Now we'll hear from Logan Washburn, the associate editor, about his stories. Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Logan Washburn, the associate editor of The Collegian and our frequent guest on The Collegian Week in Review. 
And today I will be talking to him about a story he wrote. It appeared on the front page of the Collegian this week. It is about the Jonesville police and an arrest they recently made. Logan, tell me about this story. Thanks for having me on the show, Maddie. Um, So this was a really interesting arrest that took place. Um, There's a group of non-law enforcement um, people who get together and they try to capture sexual predators. Um, And so what they did was they created a profile on social media to look like a 15-year-old girl. And they essentially just create these profiles and they let them sit out there. Um, And then what happened, um, you know, allegedly, because nothing's been proven at this point technically, um, but Mark Shemwell, who um, lives in the area, is a teacher at North Adams-Jerome Public Schools, or he was, um, he reached out to that account and he struck up a conversation for several weeks. Um, it went kind of back and forth, and um, they eventually planned to meet up um, at his martial arts studio in Jonesville. The day before they planned to meet up, um, two men with this group called Epic, which is Exposing Predators of Innocent Children, showed up at the studio while Shemwell was in the middle of a lesson. Um, they live-streamed this co- confrontation on Facebook, um, and so there's a recording up there, um, but they essentially said that they need to, needed to speak with him and they went out in the parking lot and essentially confronted him with the texts. Um, he apparently admitted to having spoken with um, a girl by the name they had mentioned um, and they were doing this as they had called the police. And so the police arrived They provided them the evidence and they arrested Shemwell on the spot. Um, So this is a very interesting case because this group that um, essentially got him, they were from Indianapolis. So it was from a completely different state. They traveled all the way up to Jonesville. Tell me more about Epic's role in this. How exactly did they find out these things about him? What was their role? So, yeah, they basically create these profiles to appear um, as underage girls on social media, and they just wait for someone to reach out. Um, And so that's what happened in this case. They provided the collegian with messages between the two of them. And, you know, the police are still verifying that and investigating everything. But according to what they gave us, it looked like he asked for her Snapchat, of course, her being epic. Um, the two men that were behind that group. Um, And she said no, but provided a phone number. So he reached out and they began texting over cell phone. Um, And that's what happened um, basically since January 4th until almost the day that they captured him. Who did you speak to for this story and what did they have to say about it? I spoke to Chris Abercrombie, who um, is one of the main leaders of Epic. Um, He is very passionate about this cause because he shared with me he experienced um, abuse as a child. And so he essentially wants to go out there and make sure that no other kids are having to deal with what he did. Um, So he's very passionate about this from a personal um, perspective and... It sounds like he's been doing this for a little while um, and they've sort of developed a strategy for how to capture predators. What's the status of Shemwell's arrest? 
So he's currently in the Hillsdale County Jail. Um, he's facing charges of solicitation of a minor for immoral purposes. And I think the other one is something like using a computer in commission of a crime. Um, he's already had an arraignment on the first charge. And the bail for that is set at $15,000 full cash. Um, and so he's just started the court proceedings. Um, I guess he's he's on the calendar for that, but he's currently sitting in the jail. Another thing to note about this is that because the event was live streamed, um, a lot of the community was paying attention to this and they're very passionate about it. And, you know, rightfully so, I think they want to um, condemn anyone who would take advantage of children. But the Jonesville police chief, Mike Lance, made it very clear that he's also entitled to the protection of the law and not to jump to any conclusions before the investigation is over. Um, Chris Abercrombie also had to take to social media on Epic's main Facebook page to tell people to leave Shemwell's family and businesses alone um, because, you know, they're not the ones that committed the crime. But it sounds like they've been facing a lot of backlash there, too. And so he's trying to make this um, easier on the family because just to find out that one of their relatives has done this thing, allegedly, um, has brought a lot of turmoil to their lives. So that's been a struggle um, that's not always seen in these instances. Well, thanks, Logan. I'm going to pass you off to Lauren to talk about your other story in the Collegian this week. Thanks, Maddie. In the City News section... Logan, this week you wrote an article about a former Quincy school board member who launched her campaign for state representative. Tell me about this uh, woman. So Jennifer Wirtz um, announced her campaign for state representative for the 35th district. Um, that includes Hillsdale, Branch, and part of Lenaway counties. Um, she announced the campaign in December um, at a Branch County Republicans meeting but she is holding her official campaign launch um, in February. Um, yeah, she, like you said, is a former Quincy School Board member. Um, she started Moms for Liberty of Branch County. She was one of the co-founders. Um, and she is a very experienced mother, and um, she's been involved in homeschooling, classical education, things of that sort. And one of her big things... Um, that she wants to really prioritize is promoting educational freedom in Lansing. Um, she's doing this from the perspective of mothers who want to see their kids succeed. Um, so that's one of the big things that she is getting in the race to advance. Why does she believe that she would be a good candidate? Um, yeah, she said that initially she didn't really want to run. But she went to the November March for Life in Lansing, and she realized that um, that there are high stakes to any election. Um, and she just realized that the race could benefit by having a mother um, running to benefit their children. Um, she didn't say that she had any negative opinions about the other candidates, but she thought that was a unique perspective that she had to offer. As I mentioned before, she started Branch County Moms for Liberty in 2021, and during the time she was involved, she sued the Branch Hillsdale St. Joseph Community Health Agency for its quarantine orders against students. Um, the case ultimately was dismissed in April 2022 because there had been legislation that kind of made the issue not worth going through the courts. But um, 
that was something that really gave her experience in activism and um, kind of the legal political world because it generated some backlash. Um, interestingly enough, her opponent, Tom Matthew, a branch county commissioner, is on the board of the branch Hillsdale St. Joseph Community Health Agency. Um, so that's definitely one big difference. I don't know if the two have spoken before or um, had any interactions about this, but um, yeah, that's definitely something interesting to know. All right, Logan. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on the show, Lauren. You have been listening to the Collegian Week Interview on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegian Week in Review online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you've been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.